It's Adam, your host of Film Wax, and it is Friday, April the 21st of 2023, and this is episode number 761. And I'm sitting here with the the wonderful, the um, exceptional, the ebullient Jen Hamoud and Maddie Rosenberg here at the Radio uh, Free Rhinecliffe Studios. <laughs> And, you know, the moment I leave, guys, I, I keep trying to, I know we're, we're supposed to arrive at a, a, a permanent name or nickname for the room that we're, we're sitting in here, this little studio. You knew my question. The back, <laughs> <laughs> the back of the, uh, the Epicurean here in downtown Rhinecliffe. <laughs> but I'm still, still struggling with that. So I'm taking, I'm taking, uh, suggestions. People can write in. They can write me at Adam at, uh, WKZ, well, no, Adam at, at Filmwax. I knew I said Adam at that one. We don't you can use that one too. I, I, I have many emails these days and, and I don't have one at Radio Free Rhinecliffe, but, oh, we may but have please, to that. please don't. <laughs> as, as proud as I would be to, uh, have even more association with this wonderful spot, I, I have too many emails. Adam at Filmwax.com. We'll figure out a real great name for this, you know, I, I just call it small. Eh, who cares about it's, you know, but what people listen are, are listening out there. They, they don't know if this is four or five hundred six uh, square foot room or, or 11. I like, whatever to think of it. I, to I like to think of it as Doctor Who's TARDIS, only it doesn't sure. get bigger inside. Sure. Yeah, sure. How about uh, we could call it the um, the TARDIS? The coffin. Tar- I like that. Well, how did you know I was going to say that? <laughs> I didn't. That's bizarre. No, seriously, doesn't it feel like a coffin sometimes? No, well, a tall coffin. I hope if I end up in a coffin, it's like this one. Uh, that's all I can say. That with lots of, with podcasting, things. luck is my luck would be I'd be in a coffin for all eternity with podcast equipment. You know, <laughs> podcasting from beyond. That would be if you go to hell. <laughs> yeah, well, one could argue I'm already. Kind of, no, no, I, I things are good. I, I things are really good, and I. Uh, been taking advantage of the spring. I've been out hiking and doing nature walks already. And what about you guys? Uh, I haven't been walking and hiking except in the well, city lately. Yeah, right there. It's but, always, you're, but that's I, always. I've got to get to the hiking. You see, the weather's good. So yeah, yeah, that's what. Yeah, I've been walking. I've been walking, not mm-hmm. not really hiking. Mm-hmm. Got to get in my. Well, come with. You can that, come. You should come oh, with us. I'd, I'd love do that. To. We should do that. Absolutely. Do you, that would be great. Do you have like a step counter? Do you know? I do, but I don't. What really are you up to? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's, we did a, a hike up to a place called Inspiration Point. Yeah, Buffalo. Inspiration Point from Happy Days. Well, there were people making out <laughs> up there. I will tell you that much, but that's, that's all I'll say. No, it's, uh, it is, I know it's a lovely, uh, lovely, beautiful. And what was nice is it's along the, uh, this precipice or ledge that you're walking. And because the trees haven't filled out, you could see like so much more about the, the mountain. <laughs> anyway. This is neither here nor there. Well, it's mostly there. Like, it's not you, here. Yeah, it's not. But everything else cool with you guys? Yeah. My my older son turned huh? 25. Wow. 
So I went to I can't visit, believe that. I went to visit him in D.C. and his, oh. his brother made an appearance too. And the weather was fantastic there. Yeah. And it's I can't believe he's twenty five. That's just crazy. Quarter life crisis. Does he is it cherry blossom time down there, or it is it already passed, past that? Yeah, it's already passed. Right. Now. Is that is that so, in March? Or, or it depends in, on the weather. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, usually end of March. Got it. And you're just slaving away, Manny? Slaving away. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a pretty good show here. This is a good one. Forget what I said about the last one. <laughs> this one really is. For a change, I guess. <laughs> you're implying, I don't know. Well, I can't use that expression. <laughs> okay. You, do you know why? No. no. Because Al Franken, who has a podcast, he says that every time. Oh. He goes, this one, yeah, this is a good one, you know, for a change. He uh, uses that oh, all yes, the time. Oh, yes, you know what I have heard to He's dead to us because, you know, we invited him on one of our podcasts and he said no. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, so we, we don't think about him anymore. Uh, all right, he's 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 dead to us. All right. Well, I'm going to delete him from my podcast, uh, you know. Yeah, I don't know how you can listen. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, but this this is a great episode. Now, there's two segments, of course. The uh, first one is uh, with with this wonderful uh, actor, Zoe Lister-Jones, who has been on my podcast in the past. She was on uh, with a, a film she made some years ago called Consumed, and she was just lovely, lovely person. So I've been looking for an excuse to bring her back on. She's developed, as she's the showrunner for a series. It's going, It's being produced, and it will be on the stream for Roku. So, you, you know, you were saying to yourself, well, I have an uh, an Apple TV device. I don't have Roku. Well, it's okay. Get through Amazon. I don't know if you can do that, but you can go to Roku's website and stream it from there. Well, that's not very helpful if you have an Apple TV because then you have to sling it to your Apple TV. There must be a better way. Maddie, you're just being difficult. <laughs> Come on. I, I actually no, do US, believe true, that you can do it through Amazon Prime. Oh, sure. You might be able to. Uh, I'm not going to say you can for sure, but uh, I guess they were gearing me towards the Roku, you know, platform oh, yeah. on some. But, it, you know, like I can and I'm, I'm sure, sorry people are frustrated by this ongoing, you know, this this conversation. But I can, of course, uh, with my my iPhone or my my computer, I can uh, sim- swing it to the Apple TV. Right. I guess. Oh, that's what it's. Uh, I mean, it's kind of effortless and then just watch it on the, my browser. But. Yeah. You know, if that's frustrating, then uh, try Amazon. What can I tell you? But it's a fun series. It's uh, And she wrote, directed it, stars in it, Zoe Lister-Jones, that is. And uh, she's great. And it's a, it's a really interesting premise. She's, it's about this woman who, young woman who is uh, kind of in a, what is the malaise, I guess you could call it, in her life. And she's um, married in a healthy relationship, but it's not exciting anymore and she's really looking for more from her life and she ends up having a one-night fling with this other guy during her shall we call little death her her orgasm thank you (laughs) i can't use the no during or she wakes up and she is now married to that guy the set this new guy Hmm. and then every time she has an orgasm she's transported to a different reality a different universe a different space or you know and and of course, it's really just about her trying to figure her way back home. It's a it's a Dorothy, uh, you know, in Canton, trying to find Kansas kind of story. Anyway, it's a it is a comedy, and there's a it's it's fun to watch. It's there's seven episodes in the first season, and it's on the Roku platform. So there you go. So we so we list you. Now the second segment, 
I'll talk about during, you know, after we listen to my conversation. But I can just say that it is a wonderful conversation with a group of folks. This is a rare occasion where I've had on four guests. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. And, and me, so it was five of them. So it's it's a lot. So this is like watching to. MSNBC. <laughs> it, it was a bit like that. The panel. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Without the uh, Chiron, is that what it's called? Oh, yeah, no, Chiron. Yeah. Although that's a good idea. Add a Chiron. Yeah, I could do that, of course, because, you know, when I edit it. So, uh, again, if you think I should have a Chiron, write me at adam <laughs> at radiofreerinecliff.org or adam at woodstockfilmfestival.org. Or wkze. At dot com, right, exactly. And so we'll get to that. I'll talk about that a little bit more. First, here's my conversation with the wonderful Zoe Lister-Jones right here on FilmWax. I didn't want to wake up this morning. I just always feel like being asleep. Like life is a dream. Love you. Love you. Where nothing really happens. Yeah. Um. I was just asking how you're doing as like more of a courtesy. Oh, right. Kill everyone and have a kid. That's just like such a heavy question right before bed. You really don't know how good you have it. Do you know what having sex is like right now? Sadly, not really. Alright. Wait. I actually across the street. Hi there. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. We did this a while ago. Uh, yeah. For, it was an environment. Um, it's so far back and I forgot. Oh, to, consumed. You consumed, which I, yeah, I interestingly, that. I remember it as a documentary, but it's. Yeah, no, I mean, it was definitely based in, in real world. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's just, yeah. But this, this is really, uh, uh, I was so, it was so entertaining, Zoe. Thank uh, you so much. Let, Yeah. And you, uh, you had something to do with the with the actual uh, idea here, with the actual. <laughs> no, you directed. There's seven seven episodes. Yeah. And you directed them. You wrote them. You act star in them. You're the showrunner. Mm-hmm. Were you overwhelmed at any point? Was this did this all just your enthusiasm for the project? Uh, over sort of uh, kind of take care of all that or did you still find yourself freaking out I mean that's a lot of responsibility it, it seems so it is a lot of responsibility um you know I, I mean listen it's definitely overwhelming and it presents many many challenges uh as an artist but um I love it I think probably because I, I yeah there's a factor of the of it being so much my my creation um that 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 the love for the project sort of um overshadows overshadows any superpowers yeah it does yeah it's um i'm i don't have children but it's what i imagine you know the superpowers that a, a mother you know uh experiences in the face of such insane challenges that there's a love that that drives um that drives the process. That's that's pretty um, magical. Well, we'll show the trail. I'll show the trailer or play the trailer leading into this. But I'm kind of, I'd like you to, if you if you are willing to, to just sort of just talk about the germination of the idea, like where and your process for kind of making all things 
logically work, you know? I imagine it was very complicated. And, you know, people will see this is about a woman who is maybe at a point in her life where she feels maybe, you know, like anybody, they may get in a rut. Maybe they realize there's no more surprises. You know, maybe they were thinking there might be more. <laughs> you know, it's sort of a midlife, early, very, very, very early midlife. <laughs> yeah, a quarter life crisis, right? <laughs> you know, ends up having an uh, out of worldly, literally kind of experience, right? She slips from one world to another or one circumstance to another, one reality to another. Uh, and just maybe you could just talk a little bit about it. How you figure that out, where that inspiration came from for this idea of the story? Yeah, I think um, I was interested in exploring what we do with with our desires, you know, and our desires for more in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and the concept of, you know, the grass sort of always being greener than the one that we're standing on. Um yeah. And I thought it would be so exciting and, and fun um, and funny to, to see what would happen if you got to actually um, jump to the other side of the grass and see what it, what it actually felt like to, to live those fantasies out and to play them, play them out to their sort of <laughs> um, bleakest, <laughs> um, bleakest ends. <laughs> or, or conclusion or what have you, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and I wanted to create something that you know was also sexy and and escapist and and that was exploring I think women's sexuality in particular at a later stage in life, um, which I didn't feel like we had really seen um, done before. And and so yeah, all those all those ideas culminated um, and were were percolating in me for a, a few years. And then when quarantine hit, I uh, I wrote the season um, in lockdown. Cause I think at that time, all those questions became, you know, even more present for so many of us. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you know, it's true. I can't even, thank goodness. I can't give away stuff because I can't even, there, I feel like as a guy at right now, 2023 Zoe, that I can't even talk about certain aspects of it. it's very, very, uh, you're very, uh, forthright sex with your sexuality in this film uh or series rather excuse me key to the portal from one reality to another is very very uh specific let's put it that way so I'm, yeah. I'm, i can't even talk about it yeah um, well it's orgasm you know which makes on some level perfect sense of course you know although yeah. we've also been called little deaths you know in the past you know Yes. And, and I think, you know, Buddhism is a through line throughout the series too. And there's a sense of sort of reincarnation too, with with each orgasm being a little death or, or just transporting in nature. You know, I, I think we don't get to see women explore sexuality in a way that feels that raw and unapologetic all that often. Um, I think, especially in the history of cinema, uh, there have been a lot of roadblocks, you know, around um, what we're able to see, like um, in in terms of women on screen. And and I did want to oh. support um, 
what that looked like, you know, uh, and, and a woman sort of being in control of her own sex and sexuality and sexual desires. Yeah, I would say that's what you're describing is specific, kind of specific, especially to the United States and the mm-hmm. cinema, history of cinema here, especially, um, you know, and perhaps this is like, and I don't think the solution to it is just not to make films that explore that uh, it's or series in this case, but to or make um art that explores it uh, it's to actually put it out there and take those risks and just hope that we as a culture can kind of look at these things as part of just human nature as they absolutely are and um you know and and uh, be okay with it be comfortable with it you know and not yeah. objectify yeah. women in the process because that's kind of what we do in most of this historically and in, in 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 the films that it, we make here yeah, absolutely. And and um I think looking at, at the ways that that those portrayals have impacted culture, you know, it's it's pretty profound yeah. um in terms of of the objectification of women and and um and in some ways that objectification is also, like you said, part and parcel with um a suppression, right, of female sexuality. It's like you can only be an object, but if if you're really going to explore female orgasm, which we so rarely see, you know, um, that that's somehow a threat. <laughs> and so I wanted to make it less threatening and make it sexy, but also, you know, I think push people to to view um, women's sexuality through a different lens. This is the we're talking about the series Slip, which is going to be on the Roku platform they produced this series correct yeah yeah roku is now um they are are now a streaming platform and and they're creating their own original content and they've been such an incredible partner to me they they really um they greenlit the whole show to series without one script note uh they just let me really have so much creative freedom which i'm so grateful for and and um it's such a rarity in the tv space and um and yeah they've been an amazing partner and and i know you know people are like, well, how do I watch Roku? But it's, it's really not that, not that difficult. You can just go to the Roku channel.com on oh. your laptop or iPad. But, okay. um, In other words, the Roku is, uh, let's say a competitor of uh, uh, Apple TV, even though I think it was around before Apple TV. And so now they're creating content, but that you can actually stream slip just by going to their website. Yeah, I mean, if you have a Roku, obviously, you can watch it on your TV. If you have a Samsung, you can download the Roku app. If you have an Amazon Fire Stick, you can download the Roku app. But um, but well, yeah, you really, you really learned a lot about that. I have to. I know, I know, of course. Sell this thing, baby. <laughs> Absolutely. We're, we're, bo- we're both going to try to do this. So yeah. entertaining. You look like, I mean, you look great. It, it must be very, very exciting to have such an opportunity to uh, to be able to really figure out this character whose name is May, what, Cannon? May Cannon, yeah. Yeah. Lovely person she is. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Coincidentally. And I was going to see if Roku had other original series, because I'm, I'm ignorant, but I, uh, and, and if, or if yours might be one of the first, if not the first series, I don't know. It's one of the first. Yeah. And, and I think that's why, like, educating people on how to watch is so important, you know, because Roku's making really, really cool stuff. And we, if I'm allowed to use this video, which I think I asked, but if I can, I can edit this into something and then we can put the links and everything and make sure people do that. Because I do want people to see your series and uh, 
and you have a, such a great cast on this in the uh, uh, series as well. And mm-hmm. um, and and I think being an early creative uh, as part of the Roku uh, platform, you I think you're yeah, you probably are an advent advantageous moment because you can probably do as much do as much as you can now. Will there be a season two? Do you know that? Is it too soon to ask about such a thing? Um, we haven't been greenlit to, to um, right. I'm, but we have been, we have been greenlit to write season two. And, and, um, so we do have all of season two written. So, uh, fingers Ooh. crossed that we get to okay. shoot it. That's good. All right. That's great. It is premiering though on, uh, Roku, the Roku streaming service or the app as of, uh, I wrote it down here. So I do know, uh, somewhere on here, April 21st. Yes, that's correct. I was just testing you. You you seem to know it all. That's very good. And they saw, and you premiered at South by Southwest. Yeah. That that's a, uh, how'd that go? Oh, it was amazing. You know, yeah. it, it was yeah. really exciting to share it with the world. Janet Pearson is this her first time, first festival without Janet Pearson? Is it like in the? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and I love Janet. Uh, I know me too. Um, but yeah, it was a great festival, and and it was, it's a festival that really helped launch my career at the beginning of it. So it was really cool to return to it. And um, so, congratulations! The name of the series again: Slip, written, directed, and starring Zoe Lister Jones, and it's premiering on the twenty first of April. I recommend it highly. And also, you're in the Bo is Afraid. Yes, you knew that too. Uh, <laughs> And and just that experience, and it's getting a lot of attention, of course. Uh, it was amazing. I mean, Ari Aster, I think, is is oh, really one of the great characters. You're you're really hitting your stride now again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I wish I get I wish you all the luck, and I uh, thank you for making time today. And uh, we'll get the word out. Cool. Thank you so much. Nice talking to you. Same here. Have a great day. You too. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye. You're shaking. Listen, um, I'm gonna get some air. Hi, is Elijah here? He's about this tall, dresses kind of like if Kurt Cobain was a lesbian. Mom! Mama. Gina. I slept with this super hot man had just met him woke up the next day married to him don't forget we have our fitting for the met ball today the theme it's, it's trash oh that's cool i'm being transported to other dimensions every time i orgasm <gasps> damn that's goals it's like you were born to be a mom how do you do it you just love it i've been lost trying to find my way back to my old self oh Sorry, do I know you? No, I, I don't think so. Maybe you just got one of those faces. There are infinite worlds. I can't seem to feel at home in any of them. Something about leaving one world that allows you to re-enter the old one from a new place. I'm my cannon and this is not my life! You come here a lot? Uh, no, I've, I've actually never been here before. Man, bitch, where have you been all my life? All right, these guys, all right, I have this good friend, his name is Michael Taylor, and he's an editor. He's edited quite a few films and The Farewell, 
I don't know if you saw that last year, The Farewell. Heard of it, never saw it. Okay. But t- tons of films, too many to go into. He, anyway, he works on lots of great independent films. And uh, he's been on my show a bunch of times over the years. And usually comes on like once a year. And this time he said, Adam, I'm curating, helping to curate this series at Metrograph. It's an art house cinema in lower Manhattan, if you're not familiar with it. And it's on editor, editing, the subject of editing. So every month we show a different film. We bring in the editor. We do a Q&A, and the Metrograph has been filling, we've been filling up the theater, selling it out every month. It's been terrific. That's fantastic. It is fantastic. So it's like a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Like usually you see the director, but how often do you talk to? So the next event is happening tomorrow. We're, we're, we're here on Friday, the 21st. This is going to be tomorrow, Saturday evening at the Metrograph. So if you, if you hear this and you're in the city, please consider going to it if it's not sold out. It probably is, but. So here's the movie. It's The Graduate. Have you heard of it? Um, <laughs> I think so. Plastics. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, The Graduate. So Sam Osteen, who is the editor of The Graduate, this, this died years back in the 80s, but his wife mm. is an editor and she's an actor. She's also a teacher and a writer. She's going to be there to do the Q&A. And guess who's moderating? Not me. But guess who's their daughter, Molly Osteen. So, yeah. yeah. So on this episode and on the segment you're about to hear, guys, is Michael Taylor, who helped bring this whole idea to the Metrograph, the programmer at the Metrograph, Inga de Liu. And I apologize if I slightly mispronounced her name. Plus Molly and uh, Bonnie, Sam's wife. And they're going to be doing and, and just listening to her talk about the graduate on this segment and that what some of the edit, you know, the issues, it's fantastic. And so anybody who's a fan of a film, I, I, it, you're just going to enjoy this episode. And I urge you, if you, if you to pick up one of her books and it's, she's just one of the great guests I've had. She's brings a lot of wonderful energy and Molly was terrific. And Inga, this is like why I do the show. So it was a great, all about editing. So here it is. This is my conversation with Michael Taylor, Inga de Liu. Bonnie Osteen and Molly Osteen right here on Film Wax. Michael, where are you? I'm in Budapest, Hungary. Uh, my wife is working on a film here with uh, Brady Corbet, who made hey. uh, Vox Lux and The Childhood of a Leader, very talented. Uh, and he's been on this show a couple of times, yeah. turns out. Yeah. And, uh, and so let me just find out where everybody else is. I imagine, Inga, you are in, in New York. Uh, yes, that's correct. <laughs> and Bobby, where are you? New York. Okay, very good. And Molly? New York. Okay. Well, I'm in New York too, you know. I'm just like a little further north than the city, that's all, these days. But it's so, so great. So, my, Michael, I invited Michael. Well, Michael came came up with this wonderfully inspired idea today. So, you know, I I, I applaud Michael and his ambition. He got everybody here and uh i'm excited about it and and um i've also roped him into being my unofficial co-host or maybe my official co-host for this so so everybody should feel free to like you know not only it's a uh uh that this is a conversational and if you have a question of your own feel free to pop in or whatever don't don't feel uh that you can't say whatever's on your mind whenever you want to okay those are the ground rules that's about it so 
Let's see. So there is a uh, editor series. Michael, you brought this idea to the Metrograph, right? Yes. Um, it was. It's hard to believe it was really only about a year ago that uh, Joseph Krings, who is also an editor in New York, and myself um, approached Metrograph. Uh, we're we're both members of the American Cinema Editors, which is an honorary association of editors across the country and the world. Yep. Uh, we have about we think we have about a hundred ACE members in New York City area and about eight or nine hundred on the West Coast, if not more. And uh, when the Oscars decided not to have the editing prize and other crafts prizes as part of the ceremony a year ago. We felt it was, we felt we needed to do our part to try to bring to the public, uh, what, what, what editors do. You know, increasingly there seems to be a lot of media about what screenwriters do, what directors do, of course, what actors do, but editing, um, of course, as the name of, it's the name of one of Bobby's books is indeed the invisible art, uh, because sometimes people don't seem to understand how these films come to be and, uh, uh, there's the uh there's the writing of the movie and there's the shooting of the movie and then there is the editing of the movie and editors are a, a key part of that and uh to be perfectly honest uh joseph and i we thought well if we were going to have a, a monthly series or bi-monthly series where we would show a film and then have an editor afterwards uh where would be our favorite place you know, and we live in New York where we have so many good places, the Film Forum, the IFC. Lately, the Roxy has been doing terrific programming. Uh, but the place we wanted the most was Metrograph uh, because we thought Metrograph, that's like our temple of film going in New York City. It's probably the most eclectic programming. Uh, uh, Inga, uh, as I believe you introduced, uh, Inga is, is your official title now is director of programming, I believe, right? Uh, at Metrograph and you oversee, I know a number of programmers and in a moment I'm going to ask you maybe to explain more of your process there, if you don't mind. Um, if, if, if you just go to the Metrograph webpage for this week, just to see what movies are playing over a seven day period, it's just astounding. You've got, Pam Greer films, you've got uh, um, kung fu movies, you've got French films from a certain time period. I think Nashville is showing. Uh, it's just, it's I've all heard, over the place I've in, heard, in, the, be, in the best way. Yeah. And uh, we were very excited when Metrograph uh, started talking to us over the summer and then Inga, you got involved with this, I think, in August last year, I think uh, July or August. And you said, you know, yes, we want to do this and we would like to do something around, uh, do the right thing or, uh, fantastic Mr. Fox, as I recall. And, uh, I knew the editor of do the right thing, uh, Barry Brown, but he was out of town. Uh, in the case of, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, uh, Andrew Weisblum was having a very busy year. He had just finished cutting The Whale. He was about to go up to Toronto to premiere that with Darren Aronofsky. He cuts largely for Darren Aronofsky and for Wes Anderson, but we were able to get him in, and that was our first one at the end of September, and we sold out, which 
honestly, I think surprised us all. I don't think we expected that. And not only that, the audience stayed for a good half hour, 40 minutes to hear from Andrew afterwards. And then we all went around the corner and got a drink, and many of us were out till past midnight. So you've been doing this monthly since then? We, we, we've been doing it. It started there. It, going, it was going to be almost every other month. And I think at Inga's suggestion, we actually started accelerating it. So the second one, as I recall, Inga said, how about we do a holiday film or something like that? And, you know, to have editors speak afterwards. And that's, of course, how uh, Bobby's going to come in with Molly uh, speaking about Sam Osteen uh, with The Graduate, which is sort of the focus of this whole. Just don't jump. Don't jump the gun so fast. Jumping the gun. Well, I'm going <laughs> to stay, I'm gonna stay me, in last year for a little bit Let me help you. I, you may not understand pacing when it comes to these types of things. No, I don't. I just, sort of want to just, I just want to get it's It's <laughs> what it's like when an actor plays the end of the scene, I'm, I'm playing the end of the scene. So I'll stop. But one second, oh. let me interrupt for one second. Yes. Okay, because I do want to, uh, before we go any further, I want to, I have to make one brief disclaimer and then I want to introduce, make sure everybody understands why everybody's here. That's watching, you know, if anybody's watching. Right. Uh, and that is that, Back, you know, when I was a camp counselor in Vermont in the 1980s, Jake Perlin was a camper of mine. So I just have to put that, you know, disclaimer out there to get it out of the way. So, so, uh, and, uh, the next event you, I think you've already alluded to this, but the next screening on this, this fabulous series that the Metrograph is going to be Samos, uh, uh, highlighting the career of Samos Dean, in particular the graduate. And so we have his, his, his wife. Bobby here, who herself is an editor, correct, as well as a writer and probably a number of other things. I'm going to guess you, te- you teach, you do, I don't know. Okay. And daughter Molly, who's going to be moderating? Is that what I, is that? Jesus Christ. Sounds like a fantastic event. This really does sound like a wonderful event. And it's unfortunate, though, The Graduate is such an, obs- like an obscure film, though. No, we're familiar with <laughs> It's the only problem, but we'll try to get the word out. That's best we can. But <clears throat> I, I know I'm, I'm sure I know that you guys keep track of ticket sales for all of these. Uh, uh, I'm obsessive about checking the website every few hours to see how we're doing. Literally, sometimes dozens of times during the day. And as far as I can tell, the graduate featuring Bobby and Molly is probably going faster than any other previous film so far. So. Uh, we're hoping, of course, Adam, that you'll put this out in the next week or so, so people can. I'm putting this out. This well, and... well, I'm going to put out the if if everybody's okay with it, I can I will do a nice um do we'll put out the video on the YouTube channel, promote right. it that way immediately. We can do this right. like in the next day, and That's then great. and then I'll make this a podcast. You know, what day again is the graduate screening? It's it's a week from this Saturday. April 22nd at 6 okay. p.m. So if you could get the podcast out next week, that would you be, will. be great. Well, we'll make, we'll make it work. I don't commit to these, these things and then not see it through. That's so, uh, so, so anyway, the, the way we sort of led up to arriving with Bobby eventually this year, uh, Inga had asked us to do a holiday film and we wanted to have a New York editor and we realized a lot of us haven't cut Christmas movies. We thought of Christmas movies at first. Uh, but as it turned out, Tim Squires, who cuts all the Ang Lee films, had cut 
the ice storm. So we had the ice storm for Thanksgiving and that went really, really well. In fact, that, that one I think uh, was actually filmed and you can see the, that, uh, Q and A on the Metrograph website. Um, before I go any further, I want to mention if anyone is watching this video or listening to the podcast, if you go to the Metrograph website, you can buy tickets for the graduate April 22nd featuring moderated Q&A with Bobby Osteen, the wife of editor Sam Osteen, moderated by Molly Osteen, who we see here. And um, uh, Bobby and Sam wrote a great uh, book about Sam's uh, wonderful career as an editor, which I believe is called Cut to the Chase. chase. And I'm sure you'll tell us more about that. I'm sure you'll tell us a lot more about Sam's career. So I'll leave that up to you uh, and to Molly. While you're at, Michael, while while people are visiting the Metrograph website and buying tickets and exploring that, sign up for the newsletter, and then you don't have to always worry about visiting because you'll get the information sent right to you and get on their socials because the Metrograph really is the the ultimate uh, art cinema, art house cinema in New York City, just is is so we're probably probably in the world, I would say. (laughs) Okay. Uh, and I would also, there you go. I, I'm, I'm not an employee of the Metrograph, but I would encourage people to become a member. Uh, tickets are $17 normally, but if you become a member, they're only $10, which is a huge savings. And not only that, uh, not too many people know but this, but Metrograph has a phenomenal home uh, uh, screening um, portal. Uh, it's not quite as big as, say, Criterion, but it, it's just dozens and dozens of films that you cannot see anywhere else, including all the recent Yvonne Rayner films that were shown uh, on screen at Metrograph and, uh, you know, really for a very inexpensive membership. A whole new world of movie making opens up to you. Pitch. And Inga, did you want to say anything more about how the programming for this series has gone before we go over to Bobby and Molly. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Michael. I think we should hire you as our publicist. I think you're right. For sure. Yeah. So I started, I came to New York in September. So this was kind of the first uh, collaboration that I set up when I started. Um, And me and my colleagues, we were very interested in looking at um, kind of other creators uh, at films to give them a platform and to to be in conversation with them so that our audience also can learn about other crafts in film, which I think is very important. And then, of course, there was this beautiful proposal of Ace, and we thought, okay, so let's just try it with a film that we already had, So, which Michael just explained was Fantastic Mr. Fox or Do the Right Thing. But it was, it was so successful immediately that we thought, oh yeah, this is such a beautiful collaboration. We recently also opened the bar uh, in the lobby so that people would have a chance to really mingle with a drink after the film, which is also very successful. And I think we kind of expanded it in uh, January to cinematographers. The next one will be like the, the big one, which is kind of six film series. Um is Michael's wife, <laughs> Judy Becker, um, the production designer, uh, which will be presented in June. 
Um, so we have this monthly uh, ACE collaboration with editors, and then we do like bigger series focusing on cinematographers. So we did Bradford Young, we just uh, did uh, Reed Moreno, and then uh, Judy Becker for production design. And so we're kind of looking at expanding to to include a lot of different crafts from film, which is very exciting to us. Yeah, I you know. It's it's wonderful to hear this. You know, there's a lot of curiosity about pulling back this, you know, the curtain and people want to know a lot about what's, what, how to make movies and, and what's going on behind the camera and behind the, but you know, the stuff we're fed typically is box office or the budget or, I mean, who, what does that have to do with the creative process and with the, the beauty of, of storytelling? Very little. Exactly. I mean, yeah. So this, to me, is far more germane, far more exciting to actually hear the people that were involved. I mean, if I, I mean, I, 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 I don't know if this will be, if this will be sh- uh, shot. If you're going to shoot the Q and A, uh, or if, you, if that's something you guys do, typically, do you typically make them available? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Oh uh, yes, on my trip at home. So. Great. Okay. Yeah. Michael, back to you. Well, yes. In fact, in addition to uh, filming, um, one of the one of the staff people at uh, Metrograph, Meg West, has been conducting a series of inter- uh, filmed interviews with participants afterwards. So, for instance, when Tim Squires came, he spoke about the ice storm that night. But a few weeks later, she got together with him and they talked about a Jonathan Demi film that uh, Tim had cut. Um, Rachel getting married, I think. Mm-hmm. My memory is correct. And I think that's going to be up on the website within a week or two. Uh, I, I was fortunate enough to appear after a screening of The Farewell. So I'm hoping to do one of these videos myself at some point. And uh, we'll try to wrangle Bobby, you and Molly into as much as participation as we can get from you guys. Uh, because really this website is phenomenal. And it is true. You You... It, it's such a pleasure just being at the Metrograph and seeing the movies in those two theaters. And there's a great bookstore upstairs. The restaurant is phenomenal. And But anyway, I'll, I'll stop with the PR. And um, on to our th- – this is sort of a special one that we're doing with, with Bobby and Molly uh, with the graduate. Sadly, Sam Osteen is no longer with us. But uh Bobby is here to uh show us and explain to us and uh, educate us about Sam's on classic films such as The Graduate. Of course, if if you start to rattle off some of the films that Sam Osteen cut, Chinatown, Rosemary's Baby, it's Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? It's it's kind of crazy. Not familiar with any of those work. Any good? Uh, so. Anyway, over to Bobby and Molly. Yeah, Bobby. Uh, well, uh, have you done the, the the or and Molly? Have you have you had the occasion to present the graduate, for instance, before and talk about Sam's um, you know contribution? I've I've taught um, the graduate at NYU Graduate School, and then I've lectured about the graduate at Emerson College and AFI and. John Hopkins University. And so I've done a lot of um, presentations, but Molly has never, the, I've never, I was always the moderator with editors. In fact, I interviewed Tim Squires and Andy Weisblum. We did Gosford Park 
okay. with Tim Squires and I did, um, I, I did an event with Andy Weissholm. They're great choices. Um, but what happened is, um, Joseph and Michael contacted me about choosing a film to do on April 22nd. And I was having brunch with Molly at the time and I thought, wait, Molly, do you want to, do you want to moderate this? And we have never done anything together. So that's, that's awesome. really exciting. Right. She is the daughter of Sam. <laughs> so, you know, this was just that it's, it was a lark and I'm very excited to be on the other side of it. I'm, I'm not usually being interviewed. <laughs> I'm usually interviewing. I've interviewed Thank probably you. 75 editors at events. I've been doing this for since 2009. Um, right. American Cinema Editors Edit Fest and Manhattan at a Workshop and just all over the place. So this is a this is a new thing and really fun. Well, I'm glad you're doing it. And, and I should just mention uh, my I showed my son the graduate a few months ago for the first time. He's 18 and he just loved it. He loved it. And I was like pointing out and I had no idea I'm going to be talking to you guys. I mean, but I pointed out like these incredible iconic moments of editing you know, and, uh, montages and, and that are just so, um, uh, uh, iconic, you know, for lack of another word, you know, uh, it's a good so, word. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, the, uh, uh, I, yeah, I just, I, I watch it each time with more and more awe. Yeah. And it's I what's interesting. Oh, sorry, Malika. Go ahead, Mark. Well, I was going to say, you know, I think 18 is such a great age to watch it. The first time I saw it, I was seven. So that's what happens when you grow up in a film family, I guess. Um, but, uh, um, you know, I think that one of the reasons that it's such a great choice and it's, it's a movie that in many ways is timeless is because it's about that feeling of being young and trying to find yourself and having moments where maybe you're lost or you're misunderstood. And so even though you know, we're not all, you know, young guys in Southern California in 1967, you know, um, Brett Goldstein said that the character he most relates to is Lady Bird, you know, and he's not, he goes, I'm not a young woman in California in the, you know, late 2000 teens or, or 2020, but, um, the, the best characters, the best stories are the ones that are universal in many ways. And so I think that's one of the reasons that this movie continues to be important is because people like your son who are 18 watch it and there's just something that they connect to about the character and, and about his journey. Well said, well put, exactly true. I didn't even think of that, but it's probably true, you know. Uh, and so, um, yeah, so, uh, this is again, this is, uh, the, the screening of the graduate part. What's the name of the series again, Michael? It's called, <clears throat> the official title is American Cinema Editors Presents at Metrograph. But we often abbreviate it to Ace Presents. Ace Presents. At Metrograph. Uh, we all, we actually have, uh, I have, a a young, uh, editor who I've been mentoring in He's from, he's from, uh, Connecticut, but he lives in Westchester right now named Alex Riccio. And he suggested that we have our own Facebook group. Mm. Uh, because we've done a lot of the promotion for these. Uh, I'll send things out on Facebook and there's Facebook groups for, you have noticed. Yes. Uh, for, for, for avid editors of Facebook and blue collar 
uh, post collective and stuff like that. And that's really helped uh, bring people in, I believe. Um, but when we were doing it a couple months ago for the film that, that I was participating in, the farewell, it did get kind of out of control because I was posting so often for the <laughs> film. And I think a couple of people said eventually like enough already, we get it. So Alex said, you know, if we did this through a web page, it would, they would, un first of all, there was, there was a little confusion. We, we hadn't done our job as well as we could have initially uh, letting the general public know that this is actually just a regular ticketed series. You buy a ticket for $17 or $10 and you come. You don't have to be an ACE member to come. You don't have to be anything special at all to come, which is actually part of what makes the series so wonderful because a lot of us in the industry will go to things like Edit Fast or we'll go to Manhattan Edit Workshop and see Bobby that way or go to a book signing of Bobby's. But it, it's uh, it's all industry people to getting together. In this case, what we found uh, at these audiences, which are usually, you know, as I say, about 150 people each time, probably 30 or 40 of those people are editors. And the rest are just people who love film. And so then we have a drink afterwards. You've got people who don't work in the industry talking with industry people and sometimes younger people wanting to get into the industry, looking for internships and assisting work. And especially when you get into issues such as uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, editing, like all of the film crafts is uh, – uh, still has lots of issues there. Uh, we don't have great representation of uh, people of color as editors, for instance. Even the percentage of women who uh, could be editors is not as high as it could be. Uh, so when we can all get together, it's fun when we can talk about what Bobby and Molly told us about The Graduate, but we can also just exchange our own life stories with each other. So I think that's sort of that's almost the secret mission program. Uh, it's ostensibly to watch a film and then hear from the participants, but it's also uh, a chance for uh, people to get together in person, which of course matters so much now after what we've been through and uh, just sort of share, share themselves with each other and uh, stay in contact. So anyway, we do have this uh, webpage now uh, through Facebook. Uh, called uh, Ace Presents at Metrograph. And I think we have something like 450 members. And I don't know how this works exactly, but sometimes I'll post something on it and it says uh, reach 5,000 or 6,000. So that's true. I guess we're reaching people. We also have uh, Ace Presents at Metrograph on Instagram. If you don't like Facebook, if you want to go inter interact with Instagram instead. And of course, if you just keep checking out the Metrograph site, uh, you'll learn about it. Um Inga, do you think we can sort of announce May's film as a little preview? We got some. Uh, yes, I think, yes, I think ago, we right? can do that. Yes. Would you like yeah, to we announce just it? it? You can announce it if you want. <laughs> okay. As, yes. as publicist for the, uh, as, as, as the publicist for I can happy, uh, you know, what's been, I have to build up a little bit. What's sort of been fun about the series is we really have been making it up as we go along. Like it started with Inga saying, okay, how about these two things? And then how about holiday movie? And then I'll be very honest, uh, Joseph and I thought it would be great if we could take a slightly more active role in helping Metrograph choose these films. 
And I thought, you know, Sundance is coming around in January. And it's a fun thing for us industry people who are lucky to go, who might have a film that we've edited that gets shown there or just as a participant. But again, the general public hears a lot about Sundance and they might read about it in a magazine, the celebrities who showed up, but they don't really know what it's like to be at the festival or to see a Sundance festival film in New York. So we suggested to Inga, what if in January and February we have films that premiered at Sundance? And Inga came back to us with uh, The Witch, which Louise Ford cut. Uh, Louise is also my former intern and former uh, assistant, and she's done very well for herself. She cuts all of the Robert Akers films, uh, The Northman, The Witch, The Lighthouse, She's doing Nosferatu up in uh, just north of me in the Czech Republic right now. Uh, so that was uh, that was January. Uh, we had some scheduling issues with February, so that's how it ended up being the farewell. It was sort of a last minute replacement. And then uh, we were thinking, uh, you were, we were all talking about awards season and uh, trying to, even though some of these films had been heavily shown in theaters for. Again, members of ACE or members of the Academy or SAG or whatever, they weren't always, they'd been in the theaters for a little while, but they had, I think, gone out of view. So we um, had uh, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, which was also mm. our first documentary, mm-hmm. uh, winner of the uh, Independent Spirit Awards for documentary and a number of many, many. Uh, it didn't win the Oscar, but it was among the top five. And, uh, that, that film, uh, incidentally, we had one of the editors, Amy Foote, but the moderator was Joseph Krings, our own Joseph Krings, to be an additional editor on it. And for the farewell, we had as a moderator, Denise Zhao, who was one of our bilingual assistant, assistant editors. So we've been, we've definitely been mixing it up with, uh, moderators and, um, We've been talking to Bobby for a while about this idea of sort of a more, perhaps a classic series, which Bobby, I'm going to spring this idea on you right now. I'm hoping we can do one of these every year, perhaps, because there's just so many films we can talk about, but I don't mean to put you in a bad place, but you can think about it. We'll see how the 22nd goes. Uh, but I can tell you that our next film, uh, continuing with our theme of, well, we, let's see, we had a very current movie. All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, great movie. Now we're going back to the, we haven't had the, anything from the 1960s so far. So The Graduate will be our first one going back that far. But uh, May 19th, I can let you know, uh, we're going to have Brett Morgan, uh, the director and the editor of Moon Age Daydream. Uh, the wonderful David Bowie film, which honestly, if you haven't seen the in a movie theater with good sound like Metrograph has, you've not seen that film. Mm. And that, that film was on the Oscar shortlist, uh, the top 15, but it did, it was ultimately not nominated. Um, and it, it's, it plays around town every now and then, but it's going to be great to have it at Metrograph and at Brett there. I, I met him very briefly at a party a few months ago, Neat. I expected uh, to find a very serious, austere, perhaps snobbish person who had who had cut this David Bowie film and and directed it and worked on it for ten years, 
but he was he was just delightful and very down to earth and uh, it seems like a wonderful person. So our next movie will be Moon Age Daydream on May 19th. Uh, tickets will probably be available in a couple weeks. And uh, we think we're going to have Captain Fantastic for Father's Day, around Father's mm, Day. Yeah, that, that is not that's, yet confirmed. That's not complete. I may have given no. too much away. May have over. <laughs> I may have. But, but now, I, now have I have something. To- I only have to edit. Now I have to edit this thing. Thanks a lot. It was almost, <laughs> almost, almost made it to the end there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just I'm about. Bleep, just about. I can bleep that. I can bleep it. Um, uh, I, I just, you know, we kind of have to start to wind it down. Uh, but, but, uh, I want, I just sort of note sometimes the editor and anybody can pop in and respond to this, but sometimes the editor, uh, their job or they sent maybe for a particular project, their job is to make themselves invisible, right? And the, their process. And other times, like let's say the graduate, it's, it's very much part of the storytelling. It's very much part of the, you know, it's up front, the editing. And well, I think, I think there, yeah, they, for the most part, one of the reasons why the general public has to be sort of um, illuminated about the editing process is if if the editing really works, you you shouldn't notice it because you're so involved in the story and the characters and there's a momentum and a rhythm. And the only way I really notice bad editing is when you're not, if say you have a very crucial scene between two characters and you're not seeing the person you want to see as Sam always would say, you never cut for a line, you cut for a reaction. Mm-hmm. So say someone is carrying a secret and you're dying to see how that person's reacting to something that's happening and you don't, and the editor doesn't cut on that mm-hmm. to that moment. That's not good. So then you notice the editing maybe because it takes you out of the story. Mm-hmm. And when you were speaking to the general public, talking about doing events with the general public, I actually, the Tim Squires and the Andy Weissbloom event, it was Black Swan and Gosford Park. That was for the general public. Oh, and, good. Good. and the Q&A, what was so great was they had great questions. And I think, you know, we live in a culture where, People want to, not just film, but certainly with film, people really want to understand how things work and they want to get, as you say, behind the scenes. And, um, so, so that was really interesting to me to realize that people are incredibly curious. And the truth is you really don't know what happens in a cut, as you know, you really don't know what happens in a cutting room unless you speak to the editor because Nobody knows what the actual footage was they had to work with, how much control they had over the cut, um, what the problems, you know. So when I do events, we're always picking scenes to show that are problems and solutions or challenges and how they work through them. And that's how, you know, it's specificity is show and tell and like what I call case studies of very specific things. So you can explain See, this was a problem. See, this is what the editor had or didn't have to work with, and this is how they solved it. Um, I'll give you an example in The Graduate. Um, so the famous scene where Mrs. Robinson traps Benjamin in the bedroom and she's naked. Um, when Sam first put it together, it actually wasn't funny. Um, and they couldn't really understand why. So it was shot very conventionally. You, you had... 
the door slams. You see uh-huh. her face proposing the affair. He's reacting. You cut to her breasts, her belly. You know, it's all that back and forth, some of what you see. Uh, and so what Sam decided to do was he found this outtake that was shot over Mrs. Robinson's shoulder on Benjamin's face. That wasn't even, they had 22 shots, and that wasn't even one of them that they were going to originally use. So if you notice, after she first slams the door and you see her standing there, you never see her face again. You only see his reaction and her body parts. So for some reason, the disembodied voice proposing the affair is more surreal and funnier than than having her face. And also, he had this, it's also what you have to work with. I mean, the the performance of Dustin Hoffman was so incredible. And this escalation of panic was gold. Mm-hmm. So by just staying on him and never getting distracted by her face, not only was it surreal, but it was just hilarious and shocking. And all those things that you identify with Benjamin in that scene were there and then it was funny but you know that's an example of where if uh, uh, to show and tell where you explain this didn't work explain why it was changed and why it works and I'm so grateful for you to bring up such a great example because it also helps to kind of give a people that might consider going to this screening of what kind of stuff they're going to hear about in here and and Molly I just have a last you get the last word today (laughs) because What what um, you what what you're what you had something already on your mind so I don't even have to ask a question. Oh, I was I was going to connect to um you know what you brought up about uh you know how editors are involved in the process and I think that events like this illuminate you know I mean Sam uh, my dad uh, and Mike you know they had a very close connection and they had a long journey together in a partnership. But what I think is important about these events is that, you know, in my opinion, that's what great directors do. When you look at Richard Linklater and Sandra Adair, um, when you look at Scorsese and Thelma Schumacher, right, all of these directors are collaborators with their editors. And that is one of their strengths. And that's one of their superpowers as directors is that they trust their editor and they work with them. And so that's why I think an event like this one and the other events is great because, sure, there are also examples of editors that are just kind of sent to a dark room and told to cut or who work with directors who just tell them what to do. But I think what's important is that we illuminate these really strong, positive relationships so that people in the audience, whether they're people in the industry or the general public, understand the strength of that. And so we can, like I said, continue to illuminate the importance of editors and understand that, like, Hey, do you, are you interested in being a film? Do you want to be a director? Well, you should be a collaborator with your editor if you're going to be a director. And that's really what's going to make your films um, so great. Thank yes. You. And I want to add, it's also very interesting for people who maybe don't know what an editor does. And if you hear Bobby speak and then feel like, Oh, I really don't want to be a director. I want to be an editor. Yes, and this maybe also, that. yeah, also solves the problem of uh, representation in, in yeah. ACE, uh, that, that is more known for people who want to work in film. They, they are the fun- anything else. 
They are the final writers of the film. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it's true, and that's why it's so important for film schools to be aware of this series, especially ones in the New York City area, because um, a lot of people go in with the idea of being a director, of course, into the film school and then come out something entirely different. But, you know, this could help to uh, shorten that. <laughs> this, yeah. Editor, it's fantastic. It's a little less competent. There's need for great editors. I mean, you know, not everybody is a Michael Taylor, of course, but with little, uh, you know, work. But they're also objective. You know, editors have the beauty of uh, being have having objectivity and really representing the audience. And the director is so close to the material, and it's so emotional and ego. Their egos are involved, and the editor is honoring the director's vision. But they're also helping them step, be more objective about the work and, and remember that keeping their hand on the audience's pulse is the director's, is the editor's job to make sure. And like killing your babies, you know, and a, a director may love a scene and it's so beautifully shot and beautifully performed, but it doesn't serve the overall story and you lose momentum or it's, distracting or the, it's not true to the character this the editor's job is to remind the director to stay on course and it's really important and it's very hard to do when you're a director and like when molly spoke to the collaboration that's the beauty of the collaboration is that they're both sensitive to each other and they 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 trust, you know, it's like a marriage, the analogy of a marriage. They trust each other. They have a shorthand in communication when they have a long-term collaboration. And, and an editor with a strong, a director with a strong ego will let the editor do what they do best and, and, you know, trust their, their contribution, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, and if it becomes a classic in large part, thanks to the editor, the film becomes a classic, then the director will go ahead and make their director's cut anyway. So just be, you know, be patient. And- but that first cut, you- like the first cut is so fraught. I, I don't think I've ever heard an d- editor explain it any other way than the directors just want to throw up. You know, they know they're just going to be so upset because it's just hard. You know, you you imagine things that aren't there or you have hopes that it's the end of the line. And, yeah. and so they, and but it's very important that they get to put that first cut together, hopefully mostly on their own, because as you say, the director's always going to have a chance afterwards to work with it and, and hone it. But this is this, yeah. that first stage when the editor's alone in the room with the material it's it's a very unique time that that is kind of sacred and important. It is. It's special. Um, it's uh it's it's definitely worth bearing in mind that so many uh films we consider classics may well be classics because of that editing process. Uh uh you know Tim Squires told us <clears throat> during his talk about the ice storm that it had been written by uh, James Seamus as very much of a social commentary, a uh, social comedy, a comedy of manners, uh, lots and lots of laughs, very funny, funny 70s costumes and interior design, you know, key party, all kinds of odd things to, to make us laugh. Uh, but then, of course, a, a child dies at the end. So 
preview audiences were watching it and, you know, laughing in the aisles and uh, having just the best time. And then someone dies at the end and they were just feeling terrible about themselves that they had had such a good time and they didn't know how to feel. So gradually, Ang and Tim just took out almost every joke they could take out. And it was painful for them because they'd been enjoying the laughs so much. And they yeah. ended up with a far more austere film that you will occasionally smile at the humor, but you don't laugh out loud. And so that when you get to that the change of tone, which is still a change at the end, it's you're not having a heart attack all of a sudden. Uh, and I don't know if that ever happened with any of the films that. Uh, Can I Sam talk about had. the ending? Can I talk yes, about the ending of, of the graduate? Oh, yes. this is one of our favorite stories. Um, so if you remember, you know, the, the wedding happens and then they rebel and they run away together, Elaine and Benjamin, and she's in her wedding gown. They run to catch the bus and they get on the bus. They walk to the back of the bus. And they look back at all the people going crazy outside the church. They sit back in their seats and they laugh. And then you cut to the people on the bus reacting to them in shock. Like, who are these people and this girl in this wedding gown? And then you cut back to a closer two shot of the two of them. So Mike Nichols was very recognizable. He was famous. His face was famous from Nichols and May and just being a famous director. So they decided that Mike Nichols could not be on the bus because he would be recognized. And that would be a distraction. So they decided Sam would be on the bus and he would be directing once the, after they run in and get inside the bus and Sam would be there and he would be in charge. But what happened was after after that last two shot, while while they were shooting that last two shot, Sam forgot to yell cut. <laughs> he just forgot because he wasn't a director. They held the camera, yeah. So yeah. the camera kept rolling, and Dustin Hoffman <laughs> and Catherine Ross kind of look at each other because nothing. What are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? And then Sam and Mike are in dailies and they're watching this ambivalence between the two of them. And they said, that's a hell of a moment. Let's just roll with that and just hang them out like that and use it. (laughs) So the if you look at the original line script, which I have, which is like dailies, yeah, they just ha ha ha. They sit back in the bus and they look like triumphant. But what you get come away with, which is much more powerful, is complicated feelings. Like she, because now what you have is she looks at him. They, no, they look at each other. He looks away. Now she's like, okay, I guess I won't look at him anymore. And then one more time, she quickly looks at him. He's not looking at her. So she's kind of, it's very um, unnerving. Yeah. So after the movie came out, people, oh, and Molly, you were saying like. I mean, I think what, what makes great movies and great stories is I always say like, I know a movie was great when I'm thinking about it after, like after I'm still thinking about everything everywhere at once, you know, like great movies, you just keep thinking about. And I love movies and I think movies are so powerful when they give you enough information to think about it, but they don't tell you what to think and they don't 
you know, and so I think one of the reasons the ending of The Graduate is so powerful and people love it is, you know, I personally call me up as romantic. I walk away from that movie and I, I'd like to think that they just freed themselves and that they have a chance to be happy together and maybe it'll work out. Other people watch that ending and they go, oh my, you know, Mike Nichols said to my dad, you know, I think she becomes her mother, right? And no one's wrong because we don't know. And we have a certain amount of information to decide for ourselves what happens to them. Um, and I think that's what makes great cinema. So I think if it had been this like happy ending that tells you they're happy or an ending that tells you they're going to be miserable, it just wouldn't have been as powerful because we want to leave room for the audience to have interpretation and we want to leave room for the audience to sort of have their own journey thinking about the movie. Exactly. And, and and accidents, as you know, Michael, accidents that happen are yep. being smart enough to, t- to, to use them, you know, yeah. and it can be a, a, something before yeah. they yelled action or it could be anything, you know, but this is it's such an example of a serendipitous thing that just made it. And people had long conversations after the end of what do you think? Do they even know each other? You know, know, because you're fighting against the enemy, the awful parents, but are they the enemy? Is this really satisfying? You know, I'm, you know, it's sort of, uh, it just made it much more complex, you know, as Molly said. Yeah. There's that famous scene in, um, 500 days of summer where Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel go to see the graduate. And he walks out of the movie like, oh, wasn't that so hopeful? And she's hysterically crying. Um, <laughs> and I think that's such a great scene because it's like, yeah, you you could walk out of that movie with either feeling. Any or, and or true for any great movie. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, well, I can only walk away from this. I'm the king of the great transition here with nothing but great feelings. Uh, <laughs> um, again, the series uh, is uh, continuous. Go to metrograph.org. Is it org, Inga? Was it metrograph.org or com? I don't want to. Yeah, dot com. Okay, dot com. I put it at the I, end. I just type. And, I just type metrograph in Google. And yeah, that, yeah, I think yeah. that's a wise way to put dot it. Com. Um, and uh, this, it will uh, the the screening of the graduate is going to be on April twenty Saturday, April twenty second. And, uh, they, uh, both Bobby and uh, Molly will be in attendance to, uh, take questions and to, uh, share anecdotes. Michael, you will be, of course, there, I'm sure, in, with Bells on. Inga, thank you so much also, uh, for joining today. And, uh, thank you everybody. Really, this was sincere. I want to have you all back on. I think that's not so far-fetched an idea. Michael, for sure. Uh, I think, uh, I think we all have Lots to say. Yeah. Uh, Which is a gift uh, to doing a show. I hope. But, and I just wanted to finish by saying, Inga, thank you very much for being our host, uh, at Metrograph these past six months. Uh, we hope this series goes on forever. Uh, Yeah. Thank you so much for coming every month with such enthusiasm and, and all your kind of friends, your editor friends, and for bringing so much knowledge to Metrograph about anything. It's really great. You've inspired us also by by suggesting themes and connections with other films. Yeah. And again, it uh, I know I've said this before, but just go to that Metrograph website and you're going to find yourself down there on Ludlow Street a lot. 
seeing the movies because they're so wonderful. And uh, this thing, uh, as as Inga said, that we're doing this with editors, but we they have the special programs for cinematographers and designers and other artists, and it really is a temple, a beautiful yes. shrine to movie making, movie making, and movie watching. So you, we'll Michael. see you all there. <laughs> uh, buy your tickets; they are selling fast. Uh, we uh, very often reach a sellout point during the week before, and I've had people contact me in four or five days ahead of these and say, Michael, I was going to come, but it says it's sold out. I said, I'm sorry. It happens. You should have bought your ticket earlier. <laughs> and you go to HTTP. I'm kidding. Okay. So, <laughs> yes. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you all uh, for uh, joining. Uh, we'll, thank we'll thank see you for you. having us. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Adam. Thank you all. Thank you guys. See you soon. Ciao, everybody. Well, there you go. Did I not say how great that was? I mean, it's, yeah, it's great to, well, it's a number of things. One thing, it's great to have a platform. It's great to have created a platform where these kinds of conversations can happen. I mean, I'm very proud of that part of doing the show. Sure. You know, I promote a lot of it's the show is very promotional just as a byproduct of the, what I'm doing and what I'm trying to do, which is to champion independent and art house type of films, but it's usually aligned with a premiere of a of a movie or a series or something like that so there's an aspect to a lot of the shows i do that are promotional not all we've done a few here you know sure. that are just kind of a like kind of more about film history or whatever and but i do enjoy it all it's just that i particularly like when we get go deeper into something like the like that last segment right there but i want to thank zoe lister jones as well i want to thank maddie rosenberg and jen hamoud both of you guys so thank you guys